Boy, it seems like the uh, discussion of origins has always been one of those discussions that's continued. I can remember as a young kid wondering those questions about where it all came from. When I was a kid, we made the venture to the big city. The big city for us was Denver, Colorado. We made that eight-hour trip over to the city of Denver, and we went to the National Historic Museum, and we had no idea that there was that much art in the National Historic Museum. In there, they show where mankind came from. They show how it all began. And I say that it was an artistic display because it was just one person's imagination, imagination giving that thought and that idea and that perspective to somebody else, and they molded and carved and shaped everything out of clay, making it look like there were these species that became mankind. I can remember leaving and, and thinking about that and just wondering how anybody could really think that that's where we came from. But you know, so many people wonder and question about origins. And thankfully, God has given us the book of Genesis so that we can see the truth about origins and understand where and how it all began. So this morning, we want to continue our journey through Genesis chapter 1. Now, I know some of you have slept since the last time. <laughs> some of you were asleep the last time. So we want to do just a, a quick review to kind of remind ourselves. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God. That is our theme of this series of messages that we're using as we go through the book of Genesis. But there's a reminder here, a, a foundation here. That this is how it all began. And this is the, the summary, the summarization statement of it all. How God saw to it that it all began. And it all began with God. God created everything ex nihilio. God created everything out of nothing. There was nothing here. God spoke and things came into existence. God created everything out of nothing. Now, Genesis 1, verses 2 through Genesis 2, verse 25, God shares with us how it began. Genesis 1, 1 is the summary of it, of it happening. And the next section is, this is how God did it all. On day 1, we saw in Genesis 1, verses 2 through 5, we saw the beginning of creation. We saw day 1 and how it began. It says in verse 2, The earth was without form and void. Darkness was over the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. The darkness He called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. On day one, God created the earth. It was covered in darkness, it was covered in water, but it was created. Uninhabitable at that time, and God created light. And this is the, the first separation that took place. God separated the light from the darkness. And God looked at the light and saw that the light was good. There was light, but there was no sun. And that was day one. One 24-hour period. Day two begins in verse six. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let it separate the waters from the waters. 
God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. So day two begins with God speaking. God speaks and the second separation takes place. The water that was around the world, God separated that, created an expanse between the two. That expanse was the heavens. God created the earth. God created the heavens. And so here at day two, God put that expanse between the waters and heaven was created. That was day two. This morning we come to day three. And we want to look at day three in verses nine through 13. It says this, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Verse 10 says, God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together He called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. Father, we're grateful for this day that you've given to us. Thankful for this opportunity to be able to sit and look at day three. I pray, Father, that as we look at day three today, that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you have for us, Father. I pray that we would hear from you, not something that I am sharing, but something that you are sharing. And I pray, Father, when we leave here this morning, that we will know that we have heard from you. And Father, you and I both know the only way we can hear from you is if you speak through me. Father, I can't do it on my own. So Lord, let us hear from you today. Take my mind and my heart and my tongue. and Lord, allow me to speak and share what you'd have us to hear. Nothing more, but certainly nothing less either. And it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. So as we begin today, on the third day of creation, there are two headings that we're going to use to kind of make our way through that. We want to first look at the appearance of dry land, and secondly, we want to look at the appearance of vegetation. Now, as we think about this first appearance, this appearance of dry land, we see this in verse 9. It says, and God said, just like in day one, just like in day two, God speaks and it begins. God speaks and things begin to move. It says in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. God created everything ex nihilio, created it out of nothing, and He spoke it into existence. And when He spoke, things began to take place, things began to move, 
but it was by the voice of God, by the word of God, that those things took place. Now notice verse 9. It says, And God said, Let the waters under the heavens. Now, we talked last time about the separation that took place. God took one set of waters and He moved it out, and the other set of waters stayed below. And this lower set, this water that's underneath, is what He's speaking of here. And this water underneath is the water that's on the earth. The upper water was pulled away on day two. The universe was created on day two. Now Moses focuses on the earth. He focuses on the water, the body of water that was left behind. And that's where he is at now. The focus is on that that lower water, that water that is encompassing the earth. That's where his focus is. God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. This is the third separation that we see here in the beginning of creation. The water is separated from the dry land. All of the water is gathered into one place. Think about the magnitude of this event. I mean, I can't help but want to make that slurping sound. You know, as that water is, as that water is withdrawn, as the dry land rises, as the water falls back into the nest, into the mold that's been made for it, God bringing this up. The water is, is gathered in one place. I was driving somewhere and I was listening to a sermon on this. And this word, this Hebrew word that's used here for the water being gathered into one place is the word synagogue, that we get the word synagogue from. Because a synagogue is the gathering of people. This water as it's gathered together is gathered into one place, just like the people were gathered into a synagogue. And it's gathered into this place, and this was a a supernatural event that took place here. And notice how Moses describes this supernatural event. The waters under the heavens were gathered together in one place. (laughs) Isn't that so amazing? Moses is just so simple. And I'm a simple guy. I, I like that. I've been reading and studying this since November, and there are so many people who've come out with these elaborate things about how all of this took place. Moses says the water was gathered. Have you ever got something, a story from a a four-year-old before? They don't really give you the details. They don't cut any punches either. Yeah, the family pet is dead. You know, you're not, even, you're not even ready for that. But it's just simple. They don't tell you about any details. It's, it's simple. That's Moses. Just a simple statement, a simple explanation, everything gathered into one place. There have been some people who've questioned this, gathered into one place. There are so many oceans. 
How can he say it's gathered into one place? I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but when you hold up a globe, all of that blue is touching. All of that blue is touching. Whether it's the Atlantic Ocean or the Pacific Ocean, they touch. The Gulf of Mexico, it touches other bodies of water. There are rivers that connect the Great Lakes with the oceans. There's one body of water. All of that water is separated and put in one place. And in the midst of that water, dry land is revealed. Now, this could have been a, a giant single continent that God could have raised. People have said and identified that, you know, South Africa or Africa and South America kind of have the same thing. They could fit together. All of the, all of the continents could be put together and, and they could fit pretty well. And they say that, you know what, that must have happened over thousands and thousands and millions and millions of years. But you know, it could have all been one continent to begin with. And God could have sent a flood. And through that, through the flooding of everything, that separation could have taken place during the flood. I guess we'll have to look at Genesis 6 and see if God would bring a flood. Maybe we'll see some details about how it all rose up and overcame. We'll have to wait till Genesis 6, though. Job 38, verse 8 says this, Who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? Verse 10 says, And prescribed limits for it, and set bars and doors, and said, Thus far shall you come, and no further, and here shall your proud waves be stayed. This is God speaking to Job. When Job has some questions for God, God says, who are you? Who are you to question me? Where were you when I formed these things? Where were you when I made the water go only so far? Where were you when I put water in its bed so that it could not leave that bed? Psalm 33, verses 7-9 through nine says this, He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap. He puts the deeps in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. I'm not much of a songwriter, but what a mighty God would be a great song for someone to write. Because as we look at this, what a mighty God we serve. Hey, there's the next word for you. What a mighty God we serve. He spoke and all of this went into place. All of this fell into place just as God's purpose and God's will and God's design unfolded. And here we are on day three. And I love the next thing here in verse 9. And it was so. I don't know how about you, but that seems like a, a definite statement to me. This seems like God spoke and it became a reality. It doesn't say, and it was 
over a period of time, it came to pass. We do read in Scripture where it says, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. But here it says, and it was so. God spoke, and it was so. I think I've said this every time. I hope this is on video. Because this water parts. The, the ground that's underneath is unseen. It's just water. And God speaks, and that water withdraws. And the earth and the dry land rises up. And it was so. Notice verse 10. It says, God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together He called seas. It is recognized that the naming of something is an establishment of a sovereign right. When someone names something, they are identifying it as themselves having that kind of authority. I mean, as we name our kids, we, we wrestle with that, trying to decide what the perfect name was for our child. I remember when our oldest daughter was born. My name is Darren, starts with a D. Darcy's name is Darcy, it starts with a D. And so we wanted to go with the whole D thing, all right? So we are going with the D thing, and we thought Devaney was a great name. Devaney is our oldest daughter, D-E-V-A-N-I. You can make all of her checks out to me, but Devaney is her name. And we were thought it was a great name. We were excited. We were encouraged to name our daughter Devaney. And so the nurse came in and she said, oh, she's so precious. And we said, we know. I said, what are you going to name her? Darcy said, Devaney. And the nurse said, you know what? Kids with funny names will be picked on. And my wife said, well, she's already a lemon. We don't have much choice. But you know, not a single time after that comment was made did we waver on her name. Because she was our daughter. Not the nurse's daughter, our daughter. So we named her. That was, that was our right. That was what we did. And once she's 18, by the law, she can change it to something else. But that was the name that we gave her uh, under our authority. God is the one who named the land earth. He was the one who called the waters that were gathered together the seas. God, in his sovereignty, established them, and it was his sovereign right to name them. We saw on day one, God called the light, light. On day two, we saw God called the expanse heaven. God is sovereign. He has the right to name them what He deems necessary, what He desires to do, because He is the sovereign creator of all creation. And God named them from this position of sovereignty, from this spot as creator, God named them. Verse 2 continues, and it says, and God saw that it was good. Notice again, God is the judge 
He's the sovereign one. He's the one who created. He's the one who decides if it is good or if it is not good. And God said it was good. The earth and the sea and the universe are complete. God will put something in these realms. God will make sure there are inhabitants for these three realms. But these realms are created and these realms are complete. As we look at the rest of creation, God is going to start putting inhabitants into these realms. But at this point, these realms are complete. Nothing is inhabiting these realms at this point. But God will take care of it. Now that these are ready to be occupied, God says, it is good. So the dry land has appeared. It's appeared not by happenstance. It's appeared because God said so. And it's appeared. The second thing we see appear on day three of creation is the appearance of vegetation. Notice verse 11. And God said. We're still in the midst of day three. This is not a new day. This is still the midst of day three. God again speaks, and the work of creation continues. Said it multiple times. God could have just thought the thought. Oh, oh. Could have wiggled his nose, shook his ponytail. God could have done whatever he wanted to do. He did not. He spoke it into existence. So there's no question about where they came from. There's no thought here about this being some kind of natural progression that God just started the ball rolling and like a snowball, it just got bigger and bigger. Didn't happen. God was in control through the entire creation. Nothing began until God began it. And so, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. God spoke it into existence. It didn't just happen. God spoke it into existence. This dry land as it rose was void of any life. And God spoke and vegetation began to sprout. Evolution teaches that life began in the water. That life crawled out of the water onto dry land and changed into something else. The account of creation tells us that that is wrong. Life began on dry land. God spoke said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And it was so. Now, I want you to notice three words here. Vegetation, plants, and fruit. These three words carry different categories of vegetation. 
There is vegetation. The word that's used here for vegetation is also translated grass. There were plants that yielded seeds. You can't help but think about dandelions. Dandelions yield seeds. And there were fruit trees bearing fruit. They contained seeds. Those fruits contained the seeds. So there's a, a variety of plant life that's here that God has established, that God has spoken into existence, and they appeared because God spoke. Now there's something I want us to see, and there's something I want us to take home from this. Verse 11, God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. The vegetation at this point is capable of reproduction. The vegetation brings forth seed. There are plants that bear seed. There are seed or seed within the fruit. Those seeds are there. God created this with maturity because those seeds were there, the fruit was there, and they were ready to reproduce. And notice that they produced seeds according to its kind. Verse 11, each according to its kind. The last part of verse 12, each according to its kind. God created them so that they could reproduce, but God also created them so they reproduced with limits. There was a boundary there as far as what they could reproduce as. They reproduced only by their kind. Only according to its kind. Everything according to its kind. Within each seed, there is a genetic code that enables the replication of that organism into something of the same kind. Apple trees produce apples. Those apples produce seeds. Those seeds produce apple trees. And the cycle continues. The cycle takes place. There is no evolutionary process here. There is no room for an evolutionary process because God says everything according to its kind. Everything according to its kind. Now, as we think about this, there is potential for variation within the kind. There are red delicious apples. There are golden delicious apples. There are Granny Smith apples. There are Macintosh apples. There are Pink Lady apples. There are Fuji apples. But you know what? They're still apples. Fruit growers have figured out ways to make these seeds grow short trees. Easier picking 
They make them grow tall trees, easier picking with ladders. But they are still apples. They still are apple trees, still producing apples, and the apples still have apple seeds. Dandelions do not produce apple seeds. Dandelions produce dandelions. Flowers that have seeds within the flowers, they may produce different colored flowers, but they're still flowers of the same kind. That is God's design. The kind does not change. Notice what God says at the end of that. The last part of verse 11. And it was so. It was so. Again, we see that statement. And if there is any question as to how this took place, it was so. Vegetation is now a reality. Where there was once nothing, there is now something. Where there was once no vegetation, there is now vegetation. I don't know if you've ever thought of this or not, but I hope it's videotaped. Verse 11. God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit, in which there is seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. Notice the last part of verse 12. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind. God saw that it was good. Again, God is the judge. He's the one who determines that vegetation is good. God's vegetation is moving. God's creation is moving towards the apex. There's going to be a high point that we're going to get to in His, in his creation. Slowly, God is putting things together one day at a time on his way to that final apex, starting to bring in things to inhabit these realms. These realms are already created. The first piece of this realm is put in place. Vegetation. It's an amazing thing when you think about this, that God has put plant life here. Plant life needs the sun but there's no sun yet. There's light, but there's no sun. There's vegetation, but there's no sun. There's fruit trees that are ripe, ready for the picking, but there was no sun to ripen those. We serve an amazing God. We serve a God that that is able to work outside of the boundaries of nature because God is the one who put nature's boundaries in place. 
God is able to work outside of time because God Himself is outside of time. God is able to work within these realms because God is outside of these realms. It's hard for us to fathom anything outside of the realm because we were created and placed in the realm. Everything that we face is inside the realm. We serve a God who is not only outside of the realm, but He's the one who created the realm. That is the God we serve. Notice verse 13. Moses brings us back to reality. There was evening and there was morning the third day just so we don't begin to think that there was more than one day that this took place in. Again, he summarizes it. There was evening and there was morning the third day. That's the conclusion of day three. And Moses lets us know that day three concludes. There was evening and there was morning the third day. These terms, evening and morning, are used over a hundred times